0: G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to episode 16 of Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia. Scaling is the hardest task facing a startup entrepreneur. Harder than getting started. Harder than getting to an MVP, harder than getting investment. Scaling is hard. But there are any number of startups who have scaled successfully, including a few that have already been on Twista, such as Canva and Catapult, and Airtasker. What can we learn from their successes in scaling? That's our theme for Series 7. In this episode, we'll explore what it means to scale a startup that measures its success not just in profits, but in lives improved. We're going social and making money on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Are you a small business looking to streamline costs on shipping and postage? Simplify and save with Send Pro Plus from Pitney Bowes and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. Visit them online at pitneybowes.com au twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. about how the future lies with folks who can be flexible, smart, and ready to move from role to role. Now, for folks who can do that, this is a time to thrive. But can you do that? If you're an employer, are you ready for those employees who look opportunistic but, in reality, are simply responding to a changing environment? If you're an employee, are you getting the kind of support you need from your employer to stay current, stay ahead of the curve? Do you feel like you're on a trajectory? And these are questions I ask my own clients all the time. We're not very good at the answers yet, but we're getting better. Some of the solution can come from better tools, tools to help find the best fit for both employer and employee so that together both can grow. Because that's the future here. Organizations and individuals who don't grow well, they get left behind. That's a big problem. It's one that our next guest is working to fix. Tom Water is the co-founder of With You With Me, and it's my pleasure to welcome him to this week in Stripes Australia. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So what is With You With Me? Uh, Maybe I'll start with the name, actually, because it's an interesting story. So um, uh, primarily, With You With Me is a... Is a military phrase. So I'm an ex army officer, 70% of our company are military veterans. And, And when you're in the army, one of the most dangerous places that you can operate is room combat. So inside a building. And I was an instructor and I was an infantry officer. And I did a lot of this and I served in Afghanistan when I was 22. And when you're fighting inside a building, um, there's some unique catch cries. And what will happen is you will approach a door and the door will be closed and you'll be preparing to go through that door. And you will say with me, And somebody else in the room will come up behind you and without any other form of communication or eye contact, they will say with you and both of you will go through that door together to what lies on the other side. So when we left, we wanted to help military veterans who were transitioning and struggling to find work. And we flipped that saying to with you, with me to say, hey, we are here with you now to support you on your next dangerous journey into corporate Australia or your next career. And that's why it's called with you, with me. And primarily what we do is, is we build talent. We are helping military veterans obtain the best skills to get a meaningful career, particularly in emerging tech, to align with the future economy.
0: Because there's a, there's a disconnect, you know, there are lots of veterans, not just in Australia but around the world, to leave the service and then actually find a great deal of trouble getting into civilian positions.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And if we pull it apart really quickly, um, uh, the first issue is a lot of veterans have no idea what they want to do. They've done this particular thing. Maybe they're a truck driver. Maybe they're in logistics for maybe 10 or on average in Australia, seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't really understand all the different types of career paths and jobs that are out there. They're not connected to the labor market. They don't know how to apply for these jobs or how the systems work, HR and internal talent. And it's the whole thing's a bit disconnected. And then on the other side, you've got these employers who um, don't understand the value of the training and experience and skills that goes into these veterans. So a seven-year veteran who can be a junior leader would have had one to $2 million worth of training put into them. You find me someone in corporate Australia that's had $2 million of training put into them. So they have these inherent soft skills that companies are screaming for through their graduate programs and not finding. What they lack is this small component of a technical skill and when you align that with what's going on in the labor market and this is what With You With Me did we went for in demand areas and said how fast can we train veterans in some of these skills and that's how we built our business so how fast can you train veterans in good this? question so the primary method in which we now run a program is this it's free for veterans we test them to show them what they're good at because mm-hmm. a lot of the time they don't know mm-hmm. we then align them to the With You With Me academy and we put them through some emerging tech training our four primary pathways are cybersecurity data analytics cloud and robotics process automation, so software automation. And within those pathways, there's multiple different courses and skill sets. We will train them in entry-level job-ready practical skills in as little as 100 hours online through our academy with our instructors. We will then deploy them in the market under two forms. We will build veteran squads, so we get them to train together, and then deploy together as a capability team to deliver a service for a company. So I have veteran squads providing cybersecurity for government departments. I have veteran automation squads building software robots for industry. They provide that capability maybe 12 months and then they convert to a permanent position with that organization. That's the best outcome. So they can go through that transition period together and then obtain an ongoing meaningful career. Through that whole life cycle, they're not just doing one course, they're learning multiple courses. So we put them on a career pathway. First course gets you a job, and then you constantly upskill and get better and better over
0: time. And do, do they direct their upskilling, or do you give them advice, or is it a combination? It is a combination now. We provide a clear pathway that says if you would like to be
1: um, a cybersecurity manager one day, here is what the pathway looks like. Mm-hmm. The time's up to you based on experience, how fast you learn your previous experience, so leadership, for example. Um, But it's very much driven by them because a lot of the time they won't know. So they'll get into their first job and go, wow, I really want to go and work over there. How do I do that? And then we can help them do that ongoing. So that's the veteran squad model. The other way that we deliver talent to the market now is um, with, with you, with me, Unlimited. So we built software products as a scalable model to our business. And software products meaning? So we have a software product called Potential that sits with clients that allows them to test their own workforce, find unutilized talent that's sitting inside their companies, Uh, retrain and upskill quickly. A good example is we trained some indigenous students inside one of the big banks in cybersecurity in 12 weeks and allowed them to deploy internally. I love that story because those individuals weren't thinking about cyber. They wouldn't have applied to an expression of interest. They thought they had to go to uni or TAFE. And the bank wasn't looking at those individuals as a potential talent pool because of the way that we look at talent. So we built our software. It's called Potential. It does that. It also gives them unlimited access to our veteran trained talent pool to hire without a per head fee. It gives them unlimited access to the events that we run every year to come and meet veterans face to face, interview them and hire them as many as they want without a fee. And through this model, we are completely flipping how we look at talent.
0: So... I mean, you you point up something which is that most organizations have employees in a role and they see the employee only as that role, and that the set of skills that that employee has are circumscribed by the role and what you 're saying with with you with me is we actually every one of those employees is the, a gold mine of other talents that are not visible to the organization so does that mean then that you're asking the organizations to rethink? how they see their own employees, how they actually view their resources of talent. Absolutely. And you understand this because you're a futurist. Up until now,
1: we have had linear vertical progression in our career pathways. And now with skills and jobs changing so fast, um, we need to be able to update our skills and employees to align with those changes in the jobs. So I think what we've really found a niche in is how to show people that they've got these skills. Because one component is individual employees don't realize they can do these jobs. Some of the jobs have been overcomplicated. They don't realize how fast they can learn these new skills if they're given the right mechanism. The other part, as you rightly point out, is companies don't know how to look at the talent pools differently. So we have given them, and they want to. You hear them talk about internal talent mobility, and they want to retain and invest in talent. I hear talent. them talk
0: about it. They have
1: lacked a visual mechanism to see how they can do that very, very easily. And that is what we've provided them. So the way that we talk about it now is companies use applicant tracking systems we have built an applicant building system. Stop looking at talent as human capital. Start looking at them as an asset that you want to invest in that's matched to your changes in jobs and your growth trajectory as a company.
0: All right. How has that worked for veterans in Australia? How many veterans in Australia are now working because of with you, with me, or working in these career trajectories?
1: So we um, quite confidently capture most Uh, active job seekers who are leaving the military. So the the military loses about 5,500 people a year Mm -hmm. through natural churn. Um, Let's say about 4,000 of those are actively looking for full-time work. The rest are uh, retirement and not going into the workforce. We have about um, 9,000 veterans on the Australian program and about 2,500 on the US program. Uh, And they approach us for various things, free training, advice on careers, or actual job placement. In Australia, we've put about a 1,000 into full-time work. Um, over the last sort of two and a half years. And countless others that have joined the program learned how to get a job and found their own position. Found their own way.
0: Yeah. All right. And your business model around this then is that the companies that you're working with will be paying you a fee-for-service here? Yeah, or? that's right.
1: So we're a service provider. We are part professional services, part software as a service company. Right. So companies will subscribe to our software, to access talent, access training, access testing. They will buy our course licenses from the With You With Me Academy to upskill their own workforce. And then they'll access talent through the veteran squad model and rent our teams to deliver a service and then take those as employees permanently long term.
0: And you know, if a company buys the courseware, do they have a way to be able to track the fact that their own employees are upskilling and, and entering the trajectory phase of their career so that their talent's becoming mobile and that the The asset value is increasing across the organization. In other words, are you able to connect those dots for them or is this just something that they sort of have to do on a wing and a prayer? So we realize that that's an important point. So with Youth Me Potential does that. You
1: can't just give people a token to go and do an online course and expect them to A, get through it. We know that online training... Graduation rates are very, very low globally. You've got to give them the full ecosystem. And that's what the software does. So it says, here is the career path for the next two years. It might change, but here it is right now. Here's the first course you've got to do. And here's the next job that's available to you once you graduate that course. And you use the progression of the job and employment as the key motivator Mm -hmm. to get people through it. And then the second thing is we just compete for time. So we spend a lot of money and effort making our content binge worthy because I've got to get people away from Netflix to do this training. That's how we think about it.
0: No, I like I like the fact that you view your competitor as Netflix. Yeah. Because to me that means it's it's the right frame of urgency around how you actually build for the 21st century. You're listening to this week in startups Australia. We will be right back. Are you a small business or small e-tailer looking for better ways to streamline costs and improve efficiency? Introducing SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes, the complete office sending solution that makes it easy for small businesses and e-tailers to consistently choose the right sending option for each parcel or letter. SendPro Plus provides shipping options and prices, prints labels, and tracks parcels. An integrated, accurate scale helps assign the correct parcel label or postage. SendPro Plus makes sending simple with automatic rate updates and a shared address book across available carriers. Pitney Bowes brings shipping, mailing and tracking capabilities to businesses looking to simplify their shipping and mailing while reducing costs. Simplify and save with SendPro Plus today and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. To learn more visit pitneybowes.com/au/twister. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're talking to Tom Lauder, who's the ANZ CEO of Startup With You, With Me. Now, Tom, we already know, because it's been very well identified, it makes a lot of media, that there's an enormous gap in the market, particularly where it comes to certain sets of cybersecurity skills. At the same time, we also see a company like Telstra that's going to be laying off, I think, what is it, 10,000 workers in the next 12 months through their subsidiaries because they're transitioning their business model. Is there a way to make these edges meet? Because you consistently hear government wringing their hands. Oh, these workers are going to be out. What can we do? Can we retrain them? You don't see a big company like Telstra actively retraining. Basically, HR is letting one set of workers go, and at the same time, they're issuing – you know, wrecks for another set of workers with a different set of skills. And it's always seemed to me like, guys, why don't you actually try to transition those workers? So are we seeing a different kind of thinking about how we can make the economy that's continually in transition now work for people who are working in it? Uh, So you raise an interesting point, Mark. We are seeing a very
1: slow change towards that mentality. Uh, how do we know that? You can see it through all the programs that these companies are running. So they're trying to find new ways to identify talent to upskill, particularly looking early on in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So STEM programs, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But the issue that you correctly articulate is far more immediate. So, and Telstra is a good example. The banks have done it as well. A number of corporations are, are laying off a number of thousands of people, which is not great for the Australian economy. We need to fix it. The way that we do it is we need to change how we think about talent. So right now they're trying to fill these new jobs by looking at the CV, um, using a checkbox saying, have you got five years experience in this particular architecture? It doesn't actually align with a lot of the entry-level jobs that they need Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for a unicorn and those that just aren't there. And now they're fighting for new talent pools and we've exhausted all the different talent pools. We need to start looking at talent differently and saying, what is your raw potential mark? What are you actually capable of? What are your abilities? How fast can I train you? And that's what With You With Me is built. A system that shows people what they're good at, how to align them to a career, and then how to get them there really, really quickly.
0: All right. just The last question on this, because this is a big topic, and this is a topic that I discuss a lot with my clients all the time, but does it take a crisis to get government or business across the line changing their thinking about how we think about talent, or is it just going to be that there will be a more gradual shift here? I think there will be a gradual shift. I think a crisis, if you look
1: particularly in cybersecurity, will create immediacy, and it already has. Well, because Australia.
0: there's an enormous gap, right? There's many more jobs on offer for cybersecurity. I know this from working with the banks, and then we actually believe that we have talent for.
1: Correct. So we,
0: we have trained
1: hundreds of people in, to be entry-level cyber analyst roles right now, uh, and we've done it in 100 hours. Through our online content. How do we do that? We found out people's learning styles. We found out their aptitude and their ability. We aligned them to the right career pathways, showed them that they could do it, and then helped them along the way. That is the methodology that the military uses. That is why we're a veteran-founded company. The, the military aptitude tests you, tells you which career you're going to be best for, puts you through rigorous training, and then deploys you and looks after you over time. That is the same way that we are delivering veteran talent and building talent for the market. It's the same way that we're helping companies think
0: about how to build talent. It's the easiest solution to scale things quickly. So now you've touched on scale, and so with you, with me is also scaling. So you made the decision to go from Australia into the U.S. market. How long ago did you do that? So our founder, Tom Moore, went to the U.S. about mid-last year, July last year. Okay, so about a year ago. What was it, because that's always a big decision for any Australian company, particularly one that's basically working in human capital, right, Mm -hmm. that you say, okay, well, you know, we got this market. It's an okay-sized market. Now we're going to take a look at this market that's 15 times larger. What was the decision process around that? What made that the right thing to do? So there's two things
1: that that came to mind for us to go to the US. Um, One is, and many of your listeners would understand this, it's actually hard to be a fast growth tech company in Australia. Uh, The tall poppy syndrome is real. We don't like to see um, small startups winning big and starting to stand up amongst the crowd. So it can be quite hard and challenging to be a fast growth company here. So that was one motivator. We knew we would have to go to the US at some point to allow us to scale globally, to bring credibility to us and the systems that we were building, uh, and to help us grow in Australia. Uh, the second thing is we were working with some clients here in Australia and their U S business arms said, Hey, we really want to scale these veteran programs over here. Can you help us do this? We've got 4,000. You know, IT roles to fill in our company in the US, and we think veterans would be great. So we had a couple of opportunities that presented themselves to us earlier than we planned. So your
0: clients are begging you, please come over and do yeah. it here. So we jumped. It's always at those. a good thing. Yeah. We jumped
1: it though. So Tom went over mid last year and started to stand up our office in Washington DC. You rightly point out that the market's very big. So we had a very deliberate go to market strategy that was small enough that we could start to build slowly without opening the floodgates to hundreds of thousands of military veterans over there that we wouldn't be able to service.
0: So this is your approach to scale is, yes, you're going to do it, but you're going to do it in a very graduated process.
1: Yeah. And I think that's clever. We'd never been to the US before. We'd never sold in that market. We knew our product worked. We knew that the training courses were mature. We knew that the veterans were very similar. Um, So we we launched our cyber program there um, late last year. We've now got Uh, about 2,000 US veterans on the program over there, still free in the US. There's about 180 US veterans on the current cyber cohort. And we're just about to go into and launch our first automation and data cohorts in the US as well. So this is us scaling.
0: So when we talk, there's, there's two kinds of scale, right? There's scaling the sales and marketing, but there's also now scaling the organization, scaling with you, with me. So how is that going? I mean, if you're scaling, because you're now scaling in two countries simultaneously. So how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a tough challenge. I'm sure maybe some of your listeners go through it as well. So the majority of the business sits here in Australia still. Um, so we grew we grew here. So you think about our journey. I left the military in January of 2017 after about 13 years of service. Uh, I joined the company in April two thousand seventeen as employee number three or four. Um, we are about one hundred and twenty globally now.
0: Most of that sits here in Australia. So that's from January two thousand seventeen yeah. to to August of two thousand nineteen, from three people to about one hundred and twenty. That's 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 pretty that's rocket ship level growth. Yeah, yeah. and I think
1: you just got to choose the right area, the right time to employ big. So we doubled down on our software team to build great products because I said our competitor is Netflix and we doubled down on our academy to build great content because that's our competitive advantage in the market Mm -hmm. to train people quickly. And so we grew those teams really quickly. And then we, the biggest challenge we had is like, how do you build the right impact team? in a new country. Mm. So we had to send over, obviously a founder, Tom was definitely gonna go to launch the business and then put the right team on the ground over there to start to scale the different aspects of the business. And, and that's what we did. So I think the big advice that I would say, if you're gonna do that is think carefully about what made it work in Australia, not just the products, but what team made it work mm. in Australia and then how do you replicate and build that team and who do you send? You've gotta send someone who
0: knows your end to end business to be able to train everybody in the new location. Because again, that's also the transmission of the culture. Right end to end is process and culture about the the because you want the company to be the the same company. Are you still you're, so all the content development is happening here in Australia?
1: Yeah, everything's still happening in Australia. Absolutely, we will start to scale the academy. Uh, and our different aspects of our development team in the U.S. as we grow now. Um, that's where we're starting to invest money and focus.
0: But I like the idea that Australians are training Americans. It makes, it makes the both sides of the Australian and the American side of me very, very happy to hear that. All right. You recently raised capital. Tell me about that.
1: We did. We recently um, closed a $5 million capital raise. You might have seen that in our marketing, um, which was an important step for us. And that is now la- enabling us to grow globally and invest in
0: our development of products and our academy. What, what was the story that you told the investors that got them to pony up $5 million? What, <laughs> did, what have you promised them? I mean, other than profits, but what are you promising them as, I guess, the vision? What are they investing in? We have a really compelling story, right? We,
1: we identified a very unique problem in the market that nobody was building talent. Mm. And then we had this talent pool of um, capable, experienced military veterans that sit not only here in Australia, but in most countries that struggle to get into the job market in the right areas. And then we tagged on this ability to upskill people quickly and start to solve what is a growing gap between education deployment of students and workforce uh, employment. So the conversation with investors is there's this one part social impact of we're going to help military veterans because they fought for our country. Mm. We fought for our country and now we want to secure Australia for our future economy mm. through tech skills. Mm. A Massive labor market gap, and we've got a proven ability to train and upskill people quickly. And then we say, and then over here, inside all these companies, we've got this scalable model that says you can upskill, retain your workers at 70% of the cost that it would be to fire and rehire Mm. talent that doesn't exist in the market. Mm. So we've got this very compelling two-sided approach to how we're
0: solving the problem. Okay, so if you have that the investors were aware that that you would be going into the North American market, and and so that's part of what the capital, I assume, was for. When you made the deal with them, they understood that this is both a social enterprise and a profit-making enterprise. Did you have to, I guess, be clear? Because a lot of investors, it's believed that they're only into the bottom line. Do you think your investors were also engaged by the social aspect of what you were doing? Um, absolutely they were.
1: We have, we spent a lot of time making sure we chose investors, um, that aligned to our mission Mm -hmm. and cared about the things that we cared about. I get that not everybody has that luxury. Um, we, and I'll be clear. So our founders were the front end of our capital raising and selling this story, um, we, were, we, were, we had the luxury of being able to turn away a couple of investors and big funds who we said, hey, right now on our journey, you don't align with our vision. And we're only going to bring people in that care about the mission and the story and want to help. And that's what we've done. So that's really helped us um, be able to do things like launch in the US and grow so fast.
0: Yeah. All right. Last question. Growth trajectory. So if I have you back on in three years, which is a pretty common thing on this show. So we're sitting here and it's 2022. What does with you, with me look like? That's a really good question.
1: In the last three years, we've gone from three people working in Tom's kitchen to, um, you know, 13 different locations around the world, 120 people. So I would say you would see us having made a shift in the dial of underemployment. Mm. So we have solved skill gap issues measurably across the emerging tech careers in all of the major Western societies.
0: All. I like a bold vision. Tom, thank you very much for joining (laughs) us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you very much, Mark. It's a pleasure. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched more than 200 student startups, and they're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs, then connecting them to industry partners in the startup ecosystem is all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through their startup internship program. As a leading university of technology at Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner-city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. In the world we're heading into, an employee, by say 2030, will spend about half their time training on the next thing that they need to do and about half the time doing the things they already know how to do well and passing that along as well to other employees in the organization. And we can see this idea that the employee is no longer a role, but it's a trajectory, a set of skills, but also a set of aspirations, and it has to align with the organization, but it also has to align with what the employee wants for themselves. We don't do any of that now, so people have to move jobs. And I can see 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, people looking back at how it worked even today, but certainly 20 or 30 years ago, and just think that it was completely barbaric that people had to sort of do all of that management, that these organizations were so static, they were so fixed in place, that they couldn't think of the employee as this incredible asset, this resource, not just resource, but this thing that could be amplified by adding the right training, by finding the right skills, by pulling all of that out. And you can hear when we are listening to Tom Lartner, you can hear all of that potential being realized. You know, it's possible that with you, with me could be one of Australia's next unicorns because the world they're heading into is a world which will need exactly what they're doing. Big thanks to Twista sponsors, UTS Startups, and Pitney Bowes. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to the studio at Wynyard Green for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Thanks to Tom Lartner for taking the time to come on our show. Last year, we rebuilt and relaunched our website at TWISTartupsAUS.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. Check it out at TWISTartupsAUS.com. We'll be back in a fortnight with more stories from the heart of Australia's startup community. And until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.